you know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. All right, ladies and gentlemen and Foxborough football fans, we are back with another episode of First in Foxborough. Before we get started, once again, you know what to do. I always got to do it, but I mean, come on, right? Self-promotion is important, okay? Make sure you're downloading, subscribing, listening to this podcast on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. It's everywhere. I'm everywhere. I feel like I'm, I'm... slowly going mad with the amount of time that i'm listening to myself speak into these microphones but you know what i'm doing it for you i'm doing it for the people and today i've got a really cool episode for y'all i'm very excited about this because i have been i i've been very very you know dogged in my pursuit of trying to find uh you know a, a quarterback's perspective on what is going on with your new england patriots with what's going on with Mac Jones, where he goes from here, this new offense, the offensive coordinator situation, all this this madness that has everybody, you know, frothing at the mouth and and wondering if uh, impending doom is upon your New England Patriots. And I found a dude that you probably might be familiar with, Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite. He is a he's a quarterback coach. He has mentored a couple of people that you might have heard of. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that we saw in joint practices not long ago, Mr. PJ Walker, whom I've I've been a fan of for for a minute. Uh, but but yeah, I'm thrilled to have Tim on the show and get his opinion on what is going on with the Patriots, their offense, and your favorite second year quarterback, Mac Jones. Tim, what's going on, my man? I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up. Thanks for having me. Hopefully uh, I can bring some calmness to the New England area, but I don't know if that's uh, possible right now. Look, look, calmness and and level-headedness is what everybody needs in this situation because, look, I feel like um, with what happened last week in Las Vegas, right, where the the, – I mean, it was really on both sides of the ball. It wasn't just the the Patriots offense, but, I mean – Mac Jones not looking comfortable um, behind that offensive line against the Raiders, against the Raiders backups, even Max Crosby's not even in the picture. You know what I mean? And, and it was, and it was still rough. And then I would say the week before that against the Panthers, it was two drives. Uh, and, and again, this is all preseason. And I think it's important that we preface things like that, right? It's preseason. You're not showing everything you could possibly be showing the offensive line groups or the skill position groups. Like they're not always playing it like a true dress rehearsal. Some starters are in, some starters are out. And they've been telling us things about like, okay, look, we're just trying plays to see how they work. And like all these caveats, right? But in the end, all anybody cares about is whether or not it looks good. And I got to say, it hasn't entirely looked that good. So from from that perspective, just in in a macro 10,000-foot view sense, how much stock should we put into the offense struggling right now in preseason, in your opinion? I think it's a great question. Well, I, I think first and foremost, right, the, the 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 challenge in New England is that Matt came out and had a really good rookie year. It's not like one of those guys that really struggled a ton his rookie year. So the challenge is, is that now people are like the expectations then elevated. So then when all of a sudden we struggle in the preseason where everyone's supposed to be successful because it's vanilla and we're going against backups or whatever it is, and their struggles, like people start to panic, right? So I think that's part of what's playing into it. 
how much stock you should put into it is really probably minimal, right? I think the most egregious thing, right, that's getting talked about on Twitter is the interception. And from the TV angle, it looks really, really bad. When you get into the coach's angle, you realize there was a lineman right in front of him. Like, he just couldn't see him, right? So it's not like – like, I get it because on the TV angle, it looks like there were six guys. If you played – a, a snap of quarterback or like at any level, even your Turkey bowl, right. You realize when someone's in front of you, you can't always see the whole defender. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what happened. And, and then he just hit somebody in the chest and it looks really bad, but it's not actually that bad. I think there are ways and we can dive into it to expedite the progress of this offense. I really think there are some, some looks that we've seen on tape where it's like, okay, we can expedite this thing. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would take them at their word more or less in terms of some of the stuff that they've been trying. Like, listen, the interception happens on kind of a double move concept where they have like a big stick at eight post outside, and they have kind of more of like a a wheel and up yeah. to the field. Like, like they're not really going to call that in that situation unless they get a perfect premier look being quarters. Well, they didn't have quarters; they still called it, left it on normally when you see these NFL teams, it would be one of those things where it's like, Hey, if we get quarters, leave it on. If not, Hey, kill, kill out of it and just run the ball. And that's probably what they would have done in a traditional game. And, and then you avoid the, Hey, he moves off the pocket and then throws it to somebody. So those are the little things where I'd say it's, it's not time to panic and it's not even close to it. Um, But I get like why people are worried because they were so successful last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I should mention, because I I didn't do this when I was introing you, um, you played, for the Rams and in the CFL for the Calgary Stampeders. And, and so, I mean, you, you, you've you seen how the process works and, and have been through it where it's like, okay, you're learning one offensive system with, with one guy and then you're learning something else with, with another team, you're another coordinator. And, you know, in, in a way, right, it's the same team. Right. And and maybe the bare the bones of it are you know kind of the same offense, but you've got a different offensive coordinator for Mac Jones uh from, from year from year one to year two. And they've talked about changing some of the communications with the offensive line and, and, and maybe paring down some things in the playbook. And, and some of it is different. They've been repping a ton of outside zone. It's not necessarily like the Patriots have never, ever run outside zone before. Yeah. Right. But but it's that you look at the numbers from, the you know, especially last year to this year, they ran gap and power a ton. Like, like I'm talking 80% of their run plays were gap and power. And so far there's been a little bit more balance between those kinds of schemes. And that has played into the play action protection as well, where sometimes it doesn't look good because I feel like the line, they're still trying to find their landmarks. My, I bring all of this up to ask, what is that? Like, can, can you give us an idea of what might be going on in Mac Jones head right now as he tries to wrap his head around some of the things that may be different and how and how you gain comfort in that while you're also trying to prepare to go out and compete for 17 regular season games and make the playoffs. Yeah, the challenge to me when you're changing offensive coordinators, the challenge really isn't the concepts because the concepts are pretty consistent throughout the NFL. The challenge is marrying it in your head, right? Like, hey, you know, when I was in St. Louis, like Josh McDaniels, one of his most famous things is that trap pass protection, right? Where we pull yes. the guard. And Davis. it's not great. It's not great protection, but you can sneak people behind, and it's a really easy throw if you can protect it. You know, in St. Louis, we call it trap pass. You know, someone else might call it, hey, you know, like blue pass right or like whatever it is. Like those little things, 
the challenge is then marrying it in your head where it's like, okay, I get cut or, hey, I get a new offensive coordinator and we're now calling it, you know, blue pass, right? I got to associate that in my head with that was trap pass, right? Like that's yeah. the challenge. And then associating all that in your own head. So that's one, what he's dealing with. And the second thing is like, there are little changes. Like, listen, you know, to me, Josh McDaniels with the pulling, like these are little things, but in that run action where you pull that guy and you fake it, the protection's not great, but guys are wide open. Whereas now they're getting, like you're talking about, to more traditional outside zone, maybe even play action where it's actual pass pro up front and it's just us faking the running back and the quarterback. Well, that's a much more secure protection, but then those guys aren't running wide open like they were. So those are the little you know, nuances that he's also adjusting to. So I do think it's a big deal. Like, you know, you're still wearing the same jersey, right? If you're Mac Jones, you're still a Patriot. But when you get a complete new verbiage and then you also get completely new, like, hey, relative concepts because we're not pulling people or we're doing certain things, it, it really changes a ton. And it's one of those things that, like, your average fan might just still see the fake, right? But they don't realize how much goes into it from that protection standpoint that really can get guys wide open and or make it to where it's a better protection, but those guys aren't wide open. So that's kind of more or less what I would tell you he's dealing with in that run and play action game. Yeah. And you know what? It's been interesting, right? So in practice they're they've, they've had it a couple of times where um, I mean, outside zone or play action or whatever, when they were practicing against each other, just didn't look good. But then I remember they went against the Panthers and you know, they, they did an outside zone. It was like, it was okay. It didn't necessarily get blocked up great, but it wasn't the worst. The next play, they run the boot action right off of it. And that threat of the Patriots being that running team, like that's what they're going to do, right? Like that they're going to pound the ball. It worked like a charm. Right. And he boots off of it and, and he hits Jacoby Myers like on, on a drag over the middle for like 15 yards. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what that's supposed to look like. And I feel like they want to do that more with him. And I feel like Mac Jones kind of gets this rap like, oh, well, you know, he's 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 really smart and, and accurate and all that. But he's not an athlete. And you know, he's not he's not going to necessarily beat you with his legs. He's a he's a signpost back there. And I really just don't think that's true and and so I, I'm, I'm curious like when you watch Mac Jones what do what do you see in his game that you feel like other people maybe are not seeing when or you know or they haven't been getting with the with the scouting reports as much uh, yeah well I think that narrative exists because he's more willing to like take a sack right like he's more willing at times to fall over which is what you see every like Russell Wilson does that too every once in a while, right? Because he wants to protect himself. Yeah, you don't want to get worth, whacked. Yeah, he's worth $268 million now, right? Yeah, like no. <laughs> you're going to fall over because guess what? Your team would rather have a healthy quarterback and it be second and 13 than on their backup quarterback. So I think that's why he gets that narrative. But dude, like that Raiders game, he busted like a scramble run for a first down and he looked pretty quick. So to me, he's out there like, moving. Yeah, it's kind of relative. So I, I think, yeah, that would be the one thing that I think he doesn't get credit for. Um, but I also think, like, listen, I don't think we give him credit for his arm ability, right? I think a lot of people trash it because of Buffalo last year, right, where they ran it like 194 times and only threw it six times or whatever. And yeah. people trash him because they're like, oh, well, they didn't trust him to throw in that weather. It's like, well, did they win? Because who really cares, right? Like, it's all, like, relative – to playing quarterback in the NFL. So I think people, I think people knock his arm strength, which I don't think is valid. Cause I do think he can really rip that thing when he, 
Now, is he like Josh Allen, echelon? No. But, like, there aren't very many humans on planet Earth like that. It's like more or less. Yeah, it's more or less kind of what's happening in the same division with Tua, right? To where it's like, I think people trash Tua, and it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, it's kind of relative. There's, There's a certain arm ability you need to be a successful NFL starting quarterback, and they both have it. And I think Mac Jones might even have a stronger arm than Tua. And I, and I just think that's something else that kind of gets knocked on him. I, I, I do think both those guys kind of get trashed for no reason. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the guy they have in their division just happens to have like a, you know, rocket attached to his arm. But also, you know, I, I would almost – I think you could argue that Mac Jones' rookie year was dramatically better than Josh Allen. Oh, oh so by, like, by a million. By you know, a million. so it's like, you know, hey, I get that everyone's excited about who Josh Allen is today – but I'm pretty sure most fan bases would have ran him out of town. And Buffalo was trying to run him out of town until he turned it around. So it's like, come on. I mean, it's just all kind of relative. (laughs) Yeah. It's like people don't really have patience for, for quarterbacks. And it's interesting to listen to people talk about Mac Jones, even in kind of around here, right? The the idea that, yeah, he had a very good rookie year last year. I mean, there's no denying that. And to me, he was head and shoulders of, everybody else in his class yeah. but like even i mean trevor lawrence i mean i've heard people say like look you know his his tape wasn't nearly as bad as the statistics were and i mean yeah. again that situation was was dog water you know in yeah. in, in terms of the, the the coaching and and i mean needing to up the skill positions kind of same with justin fields like in a way you're looking at what happened with them and you're like okay almost like burn that and and we'll and we'll go you know we'll start over in year two yeah. but mac jones I mean, they threw him right in there. They protected him with the run game to an extent. But, I mean, I think that he still uh, made plays. And I think that his arm has gotten a little bit better. I mean, it's not all of a sudden like he's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. But there are a couple more RPMs on it. There are a couple more miles per hour on it as well. And you could see the deep ball getting a little flatter, whereas I feel like sometimes people would say, uh, uh, you know, on, on on the end zone view, like, is it going off the page? And sometimes, yeah. yes, it was going off the page. You could not see it, and it was getting picked off as a result. I don't yeah. think you're seeing that quite as much now. Um, when when it comes to him, though, it, it's about the, the thing that everybody wants to know is is the brain, right? And yeah. and the the uh, how is his mental game going to improve and and take it to the next level? When you're going from you know one year in in professional football to the next. Right. Like, like what what kind of leap is that making in your mind? Like, like what does the speed of the game look like yeah. from year one to two or I even mean, like from just, college to NFL? Yeah, he's just getting way more comfortable. What I'm gonna, what I also think is going to be like exponential improvement. And this is what I guarantee Bill Belichick was talking about when he was like, he's a different dude this year than he was previous is his ability to get in and out of the plays. Right. Yeah. To go up there and, you know, hey, set up like 20 by 20. Hut, hut, hut. Hey. Touch his head like every New England quarterback, like Tom Brady made famous and yell alert, right? What are they alerting? They're changing from one play to another. And that's what people also don't give him credit for last year is a lot of the narrative in the national media is, well, they protected him. Like you're saying, like they, cause you're, cause you're there. So you see that it was kind of protected with the run game. But to me, it was like, yeah, but he was also getting them in the right run play. Right. So it's like, to me, yep. it's like he's almost protecting himself by playing quarterback like we ask every great quarterback to do, right? Go out there, get us into the right run play. If the run look, right, if they rotate down, they have eight in the box, get us into the right pass look, and he was doing that. So to me, 
that's what I think he did really good as a rookie, but that's where I think there's going to be exponential growth in year two is this, he's going to be able to get him in and out of the right run play. And he's going to be able to get him in and out of the right pass play and check the screens or whatever he needs to. And that's where I think Bill Belichick is the kind of guy that sits there and loves all that and like understands how valuable that is versus like the ability to go, like we're talking about where he gets knocked about. He's not the most creative outside of the pocket. Well, what would you rather have a guy who's 99% on his run checks or a guy who's creative outside the pocket? Well, I'll take 99% on my run checks. If I have a good system, if I don't have a good system, yeah, we need the guy who's creative because I got no shot in hell of calling the right thing anyways. Right. So that's where it's like, I just think new England values that stuff. And I guarantee that's kind of the, like you're talking about that year one to year two, you know, year one, there's a lot of times I'll tell you what, when I was in St. Louis and you're like, Hey, we're in twins, right gun, F counter, scat, right cat, F bid, X shallow. And you break the huddle and you get to the line. You're like, I got no idea what's going on right here, boys. <laughs> you know, like, you're just like, okay, I forgot. I'm going to go ahead. For me, it was, I'm going to find Tavon Austin. Cause he's like running a four, four. And I got all third stringers in there. And I'm going to just chuck this thing up for like, there's times where you have that. Right. But I think that jump from year one to year two is you no longer have that you're more comfortable. And then you're really getting them in and out of the right calls. And see, that's the part that I feel like you you referenced it, right? The fact that in preseason, maybe they wouldn't have even run that play where, yeah. where the interception happened because it wasn't the right look for it. And, and, they, yeah. and I probably knew they didn't have the right look for it. And maybe even, uh, you know, some of the run plays that have been blown up, like maybe they don't run that play at all, right? But they're just yeah. doing it right now because they want to get a look at it, see what it looks like on film, because it is new, it's a new offense, and they're trying to get the stuff on film so they could say, hey, look, okay, if we run this play, if we see this look and we do actually run this play, or it's like, look, if, if we're running this play and you see something similar to this, this is what you should be doing this time. Like, you know, come off this block and get that guy at the second level yep. before he shoots in and blows up your running back, right? Or, or even to just say like, okay, look, you see how we ran this play against this look? Never do that again, right? Yeah. But but it, but it's but it's teaching tape. But what you're talking about, right, is that this idea that we have put such a premium when it comes to quarterbacks on, oh yeah, can he make plays off schedule? Can he run around for five minutes and and find somebody down the field? We've fallen in love with the Josh Allen's and the Patrick Mahomes' ability to do that because it creates amazing highlights, and also I mean sometimes it creates big plays, right? And and it, and it kind of almost steals the hope from a yeah. defense, right? The fact that you could play defense so well and you can't get the guy and he makes a big play. And, and we fall in love with that. But what you're basically saying is like, look, if you just get the game within a game right before you even snap the football, yeah. you can steal the defense's hope an entirely different way by just doing what is supposed to be done. And I feel like we have, we've, we've lost touch with that a little bit. And the fact that again, like, Bill Bill Belichick, look at the three quarterbacks in his room right now. Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, and Bailey Zappi. None of them are amazing athletes with amazing arms. They like it's all about the intelligence. Yeah. Well, I think I think it goes back to look at the guy that they won all the Super Bowls with, right? Like he he was just a dude who was gonna beat you before the snap. Like Peyton was like that too. Like Peyton, Peyton wasn't gonna, you know, take the wind out of your sails because he ran around and then created a play. He was gonna do it by Every single time he checked into something as a as a defender, you were sitting there thinking, "Oh, here we go again." Like he's he got you. Like he's running, got you. Beat. And he's got us, right? Like 
So to me, it's like, that's where, yeah, it's not as exciting, right? Like, it's not like, oh, wow, let me tweet about this. But it is if you're a football person, because you're sitting there and you're like, what a great check. And, and I think you brought up a really good point about the run game, because the run game, you know, inside of that, we have like a kill package, right? Like, hey, we want to pair inside zone with outside zone based on the numbers count, we'll get one way or the other. There are also a lot of run it runs, meaning like, hey, we're running this regardless of look. And the only way to establish your run it run package is to try it, right? So like a lot of these where it's like you're talking about, hey, we're getting blown up. We might not have the personnel to keep this as a run it run this year because we don't have that guard or that tackle who's going to climb up to the second level. So that's the only way you're going to get that whole package dialed in. So maybe, hey, you know, maybe, you know, 12 personnel, right? start outside zone starts out as a run at run for us. We realize, man, we can't do that. And then it turns into a, Hey, we have outside zone. Unless they roll the single high, we kill it to samurai and run like deep post with a deep over or something. Right. There are those things that, that as the offense evolves, and that's more or less what you want to see from the preseason. Now, if the struggles continue, right. And we're sitting here in week five and we're catching up and we're talking about it, then it's a problem. But I think when you're talking about preseason games, you know, one through three, like you're sitting there and you're saying like, hey, we're just trying to establish who we are, what's our identity. And then, you know, who do, what do we have the personnel to keep plays called? And then what do we have to add to our check package? So I think that could be a lot kind of like what you were saying, where it's like they're just trying to figure this package out at the same time. And and Bill Belichick has, has basically said that the that the first month of the season is essentially an extension of the preseason where you're trying to, I mean, they're, they're going to keep evaluating and obviously they want to win games. Like they're not out there just screwing around, but they're still trying to figure out what they are, like what they want to be, what they want to do. And then in the, you know, Thanksgiving or, you know, by, by then it's kind of like, okay, by then you have a better idea of what they are and they're getting ready to roll. They've got, you know, their, their personnel down, they know how they want to do things. And, and that, that level of patience is hard. I think for, for most fans to have like, Oh yeah. Check back with me around week 12. And then, and then we're, then we're going to know, right. It's like, like, you you want to see it, you know, week one, you know, go, going hard. But I, I'm I'm just like I'm loving this conversation, like yeah. and, and just and just like learning about. It. So I mean, when you go up to the line of scrimmage, yeah, right. So so you, so as you called the play at this point, you're going up to the line of scrimmage, and you know the defense is moving around. They're calling things. You're going through your cadence. There might be motion, right? There's all kinds of things happening, and then you have to be aware at the very last moment. Okay, maybe a defense like like shifts around right as you're about to to, to snap the ball, like. I don't know, like how many variables are flying around in your head at that moment as you're as you're getting ready to see whether or not you think this play can work. Yeah. And 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 again, like if you could almost put yourself in in, in the mind of a young a second year quarterback, right? Yeah. Trying to to run this scheme. I mean, what what all is on his plate right now? If you could just kind of explain that yeah. to the people that are listening to this. Yeah, like a lot of it just depends on the call, right? So, if, you know, that the one we brought up where it's like, hey, we'd be in double right. So it's just two by two, one tight end. And then if you're saying like, hey, we're going to run 50 OP, kill it to 60 Bruce means, hey, we're going to run weak side, open side zone. So inside zone, unless the numbers count is wrong. So then they're up in their head, right? They're getting up. They're like walking, hey, four down, four down, Mike's 58. 
And I mean, when you say, when you say of, numbers count, you're talking about um, like the front on a side. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so, oh, so you're talking about on a side now, not necessarily yeah. like seven or eight men in a front. You're talking about yeah. to the side, to, to that yeah. side that you're trying to run. Yep, to the side. So they usually have rules, right, where it's like, hey, someone head up on the center doesn't count running strong, does count running weak. So you're saying, okay, hey, Mike counts for one. This backside three technique, that's two. Backside ends three. Oh, nickels creep into the box. Okay, I have a four-man side to my inside zone side. So I'm going to kill, kill, and I'll run it strong, right? So those are like base, like run to runs. Then you have the whole like casino series, which is like, hey, you know, worst case scenario, bet on yourself and you alert, alert out of everything. And then we're going to throw the ball, right? So that would like, those would be like, you know, double right, you know, 50 OP, kill to 60 Bruce, alert to, you know, quick scat right or quick Archie right storm to where it's like, okay, hey, I'm going to alert, alert. And we're going to throw out of this if we get the rotation a single high. So there's a ton of stuff going on in terms of what you brought up, where if like, hey, you kill, kill, and we get to 60 Bruce or something. Yeah. And then you're, you know, he said, hot, like 20, like 20, hot. And then like, right as you're saying that last one, they shift, like sometimes they just get you. Right. Uh, but you got to yeah. know that, you know, moving in. And that's when you like kind of get more into, we called it like the clown series, which is where you get up there and you like, you know, said, huh, like 20, like 20, hut, hut, hut. You let them kind of roll and then you go, hey, check, check. Yeah, you know. yeah, dummy counts. And you're basically yeah. like, okay, show me show me what you're doing yeah. and then I'll check off that. Yeah. And then they'll fake a check too, right? Because then we'll uh, say yeah. like, hey, you know, false Omaha. Like they, because then they think, okay, they rotate it down. So now they're going to run weak. Well, if you say, you know, false Omaha, people start thinking, okay, left. And then they'll like kick back. And then if you run zone to the right again, you're good. So like there's all that stuff. But I do think like, it's really play dependent, right? Like if you boil it down, that run game, the, hey, weak side inside zone to strong side outside zone, which is going to be a staple in New England's playbook this year. That just bottom line comes down to how many guys are on each side versus how many guys do I have to block, right? So that's like more, that's like pretty easy when he's up there doing it. The nuance comes into like late rotation and everything else that he has to deal with. But, you know, a lot of the times for the young quarterbacks, the biggest one, the most challenging is getting when you go from pass to pass on third down, like that's going to be the most challenging and making sure it's protected. So yeah. that's where these guys have a lot to deal with because it's like, you know, hey, third and 12, well, we want a single high look, but we want to be able to kill it to a, you know, we want a MOFC look, but we also want to kill it to a MOFO, middle of the field open or middle of the yep. field closed. But we also then need to adjust our protection. So that's when we do something called like a mic manipulation. So traditionally you do set the mic as the middle backer, but there's yeah, a lot so, of times. So, so for the people who are listening, that's when you point and you're just like 55 yeah, is the mic. 55 is the mic. You're just setting the middle backer, usually in the run game and most like regular D and D pass protection. It's usually the mic, but like there's a famous clip of like Matt Ryan, who's pointing to someone and saying, Hey, 53 is the mic. And then he starts yelling, no, I'm not. And he's like the Sam. Yeah. But that's just mic manipulation, right? Because we're going plus one to the Sam because we like know the nickel's not coming or something. So that like shores mm. up the protection. So there's a whole different level that happens in the NFL on third down that it's like, like, yeah, I'll never forget the first time mic manipulation was explained to me in college. I'm sitting there in like a college meeting room and I'm a sophomore. I started as a freshman. I'm a sophomore now. I think I know everything about football. They start talking mic <laughs> manipulation. And it took me like, two practices to just even like comprehend what was going on oh my God. because it's just like something you're not used to, right? You're yeah. used to just calling the mic, the mic. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, just move it plus one and you can then protect all this. And 
these guys will adjust here and then you can leave the nickel and, and you can call a backside sight off the nickel. And then all you have to worry about is a front side plus two. And it's like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just trying to let this job rip, you know, like, yeah. so to me, like there's a whole different level that comes to it, but that's what I would tell you when you're talking about these second year guys, the biggest challenge is third down getting into the right pass look, and then also making sure that, that we're going to protect it up front. Yeah, because, I mean, that's where you make the money, right? When, yep, when, you're, no when you're talking about quarterback, that is where you make your money is on third downs and, and in the red zone, right? Because yeah. you got because you got to move the chains, get points on the board. That's what it yeah. is. So, I mean, a, a couple a couple more questions. So, you mentioned earlier, like, when you, you were like, okay, I'm looking for Tavon Austin, and I'm probably just, just cutting it loose and just be like, okay, go get that because you're fast. Yep. For for with with the Patriots have right now to to me and to a lot of people it's it's a good receiver room. It's not necessarily like elite talents like oh my god it's Jamar Chase and and like T Higgins and and stuff like that running all over the place and and yeah. somebody's open that you can't cover right. But but I mean it's it's Devonte Park. It's a it's a diverse set of skills right. Devonte Parker's a big dude you can just throw it up to right. Jacoby Myers is you know just somebody who's just gonna get open. Right. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar is fast. He's quick. He's shifty. He's going to get open. So there's like a variety here of like you know, B type receivers, like B plus type receivers to you. When, when you look at that, is that, do you have more comfort? This, this might not be something you can answer, but, but do yeah. you think it's more comfort to be like, okay, look, my receiver group's okay, but I have one guy that is, I'm just going to, I can throw it to him no matter what yeah. he's faster, he's bigger, what have you, or is it more beneficial in your mind to be like, okay, any one of these guys can potentially win a matchup because they're all good. Maybe yeah. none of them is going to be like, they're not going to be shaking down Jalen Ramsey all the time, you know, but, but like I, you could get to two, three, four option and potentially be okay. This is going to be the, that's the best question that I've ever been asked because that's the difference between the coach and the quarterback. So as a coach, you love the idea of all B plus across the board because each play is going to have a matchup, right? Where it's like, man, we can win a matchup because I've got their third corner still on a B plus receiver. As a quarterback, you want the one dude. Because you're the one who's, you know, getting fried if all of a sudden there's someone running free and cover zero, right? So that's the little bit of disconnect. What I'll tell you I think has been interesting about New England and why I've loved their offense and, you know, I know Josh McDaniels left, but there will be, you know, stuff that's carrying over. Is they almost took the, hey, star receiver, like the backside, you know, Devontae Adams or whoever that can bail you out, and they almost shifted that to their running back. And I think a lot of it had to do with they said, you know what? Like, if we need an outlet, just make it close to the quarterback. Like, who cares, right? If if at the end of the day, we're just trying to get it to where it's a guy in space one-on-one, just get it as close to the quarterback as possible, which I thought was an interesting strategy. Because to me, it's like it made sense for me. Like, hey, if I have B-plus guys across the board and I don't have time to figure out which one of these matchups is going to win, okay, I'll just kick it out to, you know – you know, Sonny Michelle, let him go do his thing, right? Like that was more or less what New England was doing for a while or Rex Burkhead or, or you know, any of these yeah, guys. James White, yeah, dude yeah. just retired, yeah. Yeah, so it was like all those guys that like you just could trust with the ball in their hand one-on-one on third and seven. So that's what I think is going to be interesting and what, that's just such a good question. I think as a coach, they're, they're probably loving what they have right now. I think Mac Jones is going to figure out who his guy is within that group that he's like, okay, I know I can go to. Um, 
But it is. It's tough, man. It's tough as a quarterback if you're sitting there and you're like, I know all of them can win on a snap, but I'm not sure which one of them's going to. That's yeah. tough when it's third and six and you've got double A mug, yeah. right? And you're on the road against Buffalo, so you can't use your cadence and you're sitting there like, all right, here we go. And you lift your knee up to snap this thing and you're just like, all right, we'll figure it out. So that's that's kind of, I, I mean, it's a challenge as a quarterback. I do think I am a huge fan of the Myers kid. I think on tape, he's a lot better at creating separation than like yeah. his fantasy output or kind of the mm-hmm. national narrative is going. Yeah. And, and that's I mean, where if I you think, had to ask me, if you had to ask me, that's yeah. the guy even now. Yeah. yeah. And that's who I think could like long-term turn into a guy that we sit there at the end of the season. And we're like, well, why did we think, you know, the Patriots receivers were good. They had, he's the guy that I think could take that jump just because I think he's really versatile, right? I think you can line him up anywhere and I think he can do, he can get to basically every point on the field, which is, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do as an NFL receiver because DBs are so good and coverage is so good. So he's the guy that I would keep my eye on that every time I watch tape, I really enjoy watching him. It's not a knock against any of the other guys. I just think he is a, he's a kid who can kind of really uh, change the trajectory of how we maybe view that, that group. Yeah. And you know, he's gotten better every year he's been in the league undrafted. He was a quarterback, you know, comes into the league and, and, you know, switches to wide receiver and his yards and and targets and all that have, have been going up, up and up. I mean, he, he had like 50 more targets than the next highest dude last year. I mean, like, like that to me, like people ask who's going to be Mac Jones's go-to guy. It's like, Jacoby Myers he, it's like yeah. he, he has been and I always found it interesting that when they would do those alerts a lot of times where like it, it'd be like third down or something like that yeah. and, and it's it, it's a pass but like particularly they'd be like they would do alerts to signify that like okay we got one-on-one here yeah and I feel like more often than not it was a slot faded Jacoby Myers yeah and you would just find a way to get open yep and I think anytime Anytime you're a quarterback and you have a fellow quarterback out there who have played quarterback at some point, so you know he's seeing it like you, yeah. that's also beneficial. Because it's it's really beneficial for receivers. You know, there's there's quarterbacks and receivers love each other so much, but there is the difference, right? Receivers hate quarterbacks for not running, and quarterbacks hate receivers for telling them they were open after they just got blasted on third down, right? Because receivers generally don't get hit unless we lay them out to dry. So that was always a disconnect. So anytime you have a, a receiver who played quarterback and knows what it feels like to take that blitz on, those guys usually get their head turned around a millisecond quicker, which is always helpful as a quarterback because you're sitting there like, dude, everybody else is like still putting on their third move, right? To beat the guy <laughs> yeah. one-on-one and put him on skates. The other guy's turned around and you can kind of get it to him a little bit quicker. No, that that's a that's a hell of a point too, and I mean even even little things like Jacoby Myers will. I mean they they kind of have that note where Mac Jones will even try to protect you because Myers goes over the middle and he gets yeah. whacked a little bit, but he, he's just kind of like, okay, let me help you out by not leading you straight yeah. into the, the blow right here. It's like, you stick yeah. your arms out. I'll put the ball right there. You can get down and protect yourself a little bit. Yeah. Like I feel like that totally manifests itself. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, so I think one, one last thing is, a lot has been made about this this play caller situation and how strange it is, right? So for my money, it's been Matt Patricia, who has been yeah. pretty clearly the guy who's been 
you know, communicating with the quarterback, as Bill Belichick has said. Um, you wouldn't say play caller because play calling is a different deal. And I feel like essentially what he is suggesting is that Matt Patricia might be the guy speaking in Mac Jones's ear, but everybody else is going to be kind of collaborating and speaking into Matt Patricia's ear. And then that will then get filtered just in through one voice to Mac Jones. And I guess I'm just curious, like from, from your experiences, has it ever been, have you ever seen anything like that? Well, both particularly where you had an off, like a play caller offense, like prominent offensive coach who didn't really have a job like that before. And they were kind of learning the ropes. And I mean, is play calling usually that collaborative of an experience where like, yeah, you might have one guy talking in your headset, but you know that, you know, maybe this play is coming from the offensive line coach, or this one's coming from yeah. the quarterback coach, or this one's coming from the head coach, right? Like, yeah. like what, like, if you could just like, give us an idea of what that experience is like, because I feel like everybody just kind of thinks that the offensive coordinator just does it all and nobody else is involved. Yeah. So, well, one, I'll tell you that I think the only collaboration that usually happens at the NFL level is veteran starting quarterback, OC head coach. Right. That's traditionally how it is, yeah. because normally those guys just like. Like, yeah, like it's not like the running back coach is giving input game day on what we should call. He might give input on like, hey, this is the front they're in. So these are the runs that are going to work best. And OCs are always taking that kind of info um, in terms of like New England. Like this is different, man. And I think even just like the idea of like a defensive guy coming over to call plays like could be valuable. I also like, I was sitting and I was listening to someone, they were, it was like ESPN. They were talking about like this dynamic with all the guys they have. And I was sitting there and I'm just like, I wonder if part of this is just like trying to teach Mac Jones as much football as possible. And they're just going to basically run everything through him. Right. Like, Hey, yeah. at the end of the day, you're going to get to call one of the best three plays anyways. Cause we believe in kills and alert. So let's just surround you with people that know football and teach you as much football as humanly possible, right? And then we can call in packages and let him decipher at the line. Like, that's where I could see this thing going. It's going to be interesting, man. But if there's one thing that I've learned uh, from my seat as someone who just trains quarterbacks, I'm not going to question Bill Belichick. I think there's two guys on planet Earth who I more or less, like, kind of say, all right, man, you rub with it. And it's usually Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, right? Like, let them kind of – not not a coincidence that they yeah they've they've earned that rat they've earned that right a a little bit to uh kind of do it their way but listen i think a lot of it has to do with he really believes you got to earn it right we don't just like give out titles which i think is is a really good way to run a team because if your head if your coaches are earning it you you sure as heck now know that the players you're going to earn every single snap you take um but, you know, I, I I would tell you that I have a hard time if it's going to be super collaborative on game day because, like, you really need, like, you know, uh, the challenging part as a coordinator is you're not calling the play that's – like, you're, you should – you have, like, an idea of, like, okay, hey, we're calling this, but, like, I know we're running outside zone to the left. We're going to be on the left hash. This is the formation I need to be. You know, if we're second and six, here's where I'm going. If we're second and two, here's where I'm going. If this gets stopped and we're second and twelve. Here's where I'm going. If all of a sudden this cuts back, here's where I'm going. Like you're, you're another play ahead with four other plays. Like, it's not like you get a ton of time to pick, you yeah. know, we've all, we've all been pressed in just Madden, 
right? Like we've <laughs> yeah. all been like, oh, I got one second left to pick, right? A defense. Like we've all been pressed before and just mad and like, you know, in the NFL, you've got to be thinking two, three plays ahead. And I think that's what's going to be challenging if it is collaborative. Um, and, and why I would guess like it's probably not going to be on game day, but I could guarantee building out of the plan is where that it's going to be super collaborative and, Hey, how should we attack this team? You know, what's our second and medium, what's our second and short, what are our shot plays? Like that's where I could see there being a lot of collaboration with them. Yeah. And, and I think with that, they've kind of given us again, you know, some, some sprinkles of different things like, Oh yeah. And Ben Patricia is uh, coaching the offensive line and calling the plays and Joe yeah. judge this time he's with Mac Jones. This time it's Patricia's with Mac Jones and the assistant offensive line coach is nowhere to be found, even though we all thought he was going to be the guy mainly doing the, so I feel like, and I don't know if it's purposeful, like, or like they're, they're just kind of like, okay, this is preseason. We're all just collaborating and teaching right yep. now. Uh, or like, haha, we know you're all watching with your binoculars. <laughs> so let's go ahead and mess around with you. But basically what you're saying is look by, by week one of the regular season, there's going to be a, okay, this is your role. This is what we're going to yeah. do because we're not playing around no more. Yeah. And I think you'll probably see the pass game coordinator run game coordinator, which really just means like, Hey, who's responsible for that part of the install, but there's always one voice going into the helmet and it sounds like it's Matt Patricia, um, which ultimately then is who's the play caller, you know, because like, I guess there's a variable way to do it. If you want to call a play to a guy who then wires it in, but usually it's the, uh, usually it's somewhat the same, same person, but you know, you never know. I mean, it could be Joe judge calling the plays and then Patricia's the one that's bringing them in on the, yeah, that's said, and or some, some I, I have suggested think... that it's Bill. Some have suggested that it's Belichick himself. Yeah. That you know he's going to run the thing, and essentially, and and the thing is interesting about that is that I mean Patricia is basically Belichick's right hand man, and sometimes Belichick is yeah. literally standing next to him through throughout, like like while Patricia is calling a play, and you're almost thinking to yourself like, okay, is Bill literally just telling him what to do right now? Yeah, and then it and then it it's Matt Patricia's voice going into Mac Jones's headset, but it's Bill Belichick's will. That is being spoken right now. Yeah. And the thing about Belichick is, you know, he has always been involved in the game planning process. Now the actual install is probably always been McDaniels, but he's always been, you know, wanting to meet with Brady and doing all this stuff to like talk with these guys on, you know, Monday, right. About, about the upcoming opponent. And, And rightfully so, like think of the insight that he could give you about someone's defense and, and everything. So I do think, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I ultimately don't think it's that big of a deal because I think the bigger deal is like the direction that the scheme goes, um, which I don't think, which I think is, has already been developed, right? That was developed in OTAs and training camp. And it's like, that was the bigger deal to me who actually calls the plays. Like you can kind of figure it out, but it needs to be one guy because he'll get better because it is something that you get better at. It's not something that you're as good at week one as you are week 17. So they'll get better at it. And and to me, that's why it's important to have one guy because like, let's get him better throughout the season versus kind of rotating. Cause then I don't think anyone will really get very good at it. You know what? And, and I think that ultimately that's kind of where I'm landing that by the end of the year, I don't know this might not be as big of a deal, like the whole play caller, not naming a coordinator or what the, you know, who's doing what I feel like by the end of the year, that might not be as big of a deal, especially if 
the offense starts executing the way that we (laughs) expect it to. And Mac Jones plays, you know, up to the standard that we think he's capable of. And then it's going to be like, Okay, well, I guess yeah. we uh, overblew that, didn't we? But we, but we'll see. I mean, there, there's still, there's still uh, plenty of uh, regular season football that needs to be played, which is to say that none of it's been played yet. So we'll see how it lands. But look, Tim, this was way too much fun. I, <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed every bit of it, even the elements of it that I, I could barely follow along with. Uh, <laughs> but, but yo, th- this, this was great. And uh, why don't you tell the people where they can follow you at and uh, what you're up to these days? Yeah, they can uh, follow me uh, on Twitter at TJKidsElite. And then they can go on YouTube where I do like kind of longer form breakdowns on all things QB. And then just uh, run the running a company. We have a lo- we have nine locations across the country. So if you know any young quarterbacks running around, you can tell them to look us up. And we'd love to have them at a camp or a training session. But I appreciate you, man. This was a blast. And and we'll have to check back in in the uh, middle of the season when when we know how Mac and the offense is doing. <laughs> See, that's that's exactly what I want to hear. That I can I can get get you on DM, get you on speed dial, and get you right back in the studio, man. Thank you so much.